What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And we are very, very happy to be joined by two very, very handsome guests today. Our good friends returning to the pod, Chad and Anthony of Expected Buffalo. Fellas, welcome back. How are you today? Good, man. Good. Happy to be back. Yeah, it's always, it's always a good day to be on the pod, especially with you two guys. <laughs> oh, shucks. Making me blush. I know. Oh, well, we are now just 24 hours away from the start of the Sabres regular season. Right now, we're recording this episode, everybody, on Wednesday evening, and we thought that there would be no better way to celebrate the four of us being together in the same Zoom than by talking about the Sabres and what this season is going to look like. Any of us- Are we being punished? <laughs> Yeah, right. As I had said on Twitter, we're just going to scream into the void for the next 45 minutes if you guys are cool with that. No, no yelling this season. This is not a season you yell about. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get right into it then because there is definitely no shortage of things to talk about. Just generally speaking, I mean, we all know this season is going to be all about development and the young players. There is not a sniff of talk about the playoffs at all. What I would say, though, what I want to post to you guys first, just starting off, I mean, is that how you're really looking at this season? Is it not a matter of wins and losses? It's all about the development. And if so, you know, where are you looking as the most pressing needs for this team in terms of development? Because um, Chad. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny enough, you know, I, I'm finishing up my preview now as we're doing this, but it's, um, you know, one of the things I put in the beginning of this is, you know, this season is, is in a sense different than the last few years in the sense that there's no pressure. There's no talk of consequences of a lost season. We know what this season is. You, you know what we are. You're back essentially at stage one of your rebuild. Um, you're just doing a make it look pretty tank instead of a rip the doors off to get McDavid tank. So you know, that that's what this is. And it's about development in theory, because you have some guys and cousins and Deline and Yoki Haru and Middlestad and the list goes on of young players trying to develop. So that's part of it along with, you know, I, I don't want to say the plan is to lose games, but that's, you know, going to be an outcome um, of the roster they assembled. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're looking for those things at the same time, you know, as I said, when you just said just now, I mean, this isn't a season you yell about. This isn't a season that you get mad about. There's going to be no rant podcast in the middle of this season or from you guys, from Anthony or I. Like, it's just, you know, what's going on here? We know what's going to happen, and, you know, we're, we're going to see how it goes. I mean, you might get a rant if Cody Eakin is playing games over Dylan Cousins at some point in the season, but I just, you know, <laughs> I don't see it getting that crazy. I mean, we have it over Ruth Salanen right now, which is interesting, but, um, yeah, so it's kind of a – for me, I think it's more of a – relax type season just you know sit back and see what happens and we'll kind of roll with the punches I guess you could say yeah to kind of carry off what Chad is saying there um this season's a little bit more exciting because I think last year uh Chad and I were, were, were two of I'll say a few pretty strict naysayers like after they added Hall and people were like oh my god like they're gonna push for a spot and we were just kind of like I don't know that they are. Um, and so like, I, I was ready kind of for the fallout last year. I'm like, still not going to be good guys. Like one dude doesn't change the whole thing. Um, I think this year there, there's like less pressure almost like, you know, I, I think weirdly Chad and I have, have circled back to optimism in terms of like our point projections. 
because I think I don't, I don't want to speak for you in case you've changed. But I think we're both in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and so like people are like that's insane because this is a tank team. The last tank team had like 52 or whatever it was. Right. And uh, so and so, was lucky to do so. And was lucky to do so. Yeah. yeah. They had to like murder 14 goalies in order to accomplish that. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I think I think like Chad said, it's just we, we know what this year is. And yeah, and like you said, Brandon, Brandon, it's all about development. And, and that's that's the goal. That's the thing we're going to want to see. Right. Where. I don't think we'll be tracking as much wins and losses um, unless they start like eight and two, then we're all going to go nuts. But um, I think we're all going to be most concerned with, okay, who's this guy playing with, right? Are they setting him up down the, you know, to, to, to develop properly? Uh, where's cousins, where's middle stat, you know, is Dolly and taking that next step. So it's more of a micro look, right? We're, we're looking at the trees this year instead of the forest, so to speak. So I, I think it's um, interesting, unique and, and, honestly a little more fun in that regard than watching a team that you're pretty sure is going to disappoint everybody. That's an interesting insight. I think that's a, honestly the way that everybody kind of needs to be thinking about this season, because the, the reality of it is, is that there's going to be a lot of losses this year. It's not going to be good, but at the end of the day, as you guys have both said there, you know, the theme of this entire year is going to be about just the progression of these guys and really what next year is going to be like, and even more so than the year after that, you know, there's, there's a lot of growth that this team needs both in the players on it, but also just in terms of filling out the rest of this roster. Uh, Taylor, do you have anything to add on to this? Yeah, I actually had something I wanted to bring up, and I think this could get us into the actual guys on the team. Like, this could be a kind of an open-ended question, but there has been some talk on Twitter about what, whether this lineup that we've seen that seems to be the opening night lineup uh, is as bad as the 2014-15 team. Uh, and based on what you guys just said, uh, my guess is your answer is no. My thought was well, a few things, but I guess my – my two main thoughts on it were first that the 2014, 15 team, like I said, was kind of lucky to get 54 points that they finished with. Like they had an unbelievable PDO stretch in November and December, 105 over 13 games, which is, I don't remember them ever doing at any other point. And they also had pretty decent goaltending uh, for and Roth and Neuverth and even not even that bad from Lindbach near the end of the year. Uh, the other thing is that I think a lot of guys on that team, the reason they had like terrible expected goals, a terrible Corsi and, every underlying stat is because most of the team was terrible as guys that shouldn't be in the NHL. Whereas this team is very young and unspectacular. Like a lot of the guys are never going to be stars. Almost all of them will never be stars, but there's very, aside from Cody Eakin and maybe Hag and maybe Tage Thompson too. I don't really see guys that aren't really NHL players or guys that are going to wash out of the league soon. Um, so do you have thoughts on, I guess, any of that? Um. I mean, I'll say they're not, they're not, don't, I don't think they're as bad as that 14, 15 team. Um, you know, there's no Jerry D'Amigo or whoever running around here, right. Or Paul Scherzer or any of those guys or, you know, so Andre Mazzaro, so they're all coming back to me now as I'm, I'm rapidly. rapidly uh, Andre Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andre yeah. Benoit. I was Tyson the, Seltzer, the Seltzer on that team. I so again, yeah. so, a little bit that year. Yeah, yeah, Kanaka, sure. yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think you have legitimate players here for sure, right? So it's the way I kind of look at it is is they've assembled a roster of probably three third lines and one fourth line. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's there's not there's definitely not a top line center. I don't know if there's a second line center on this team. Um, 
Tace Thompson is going to attempt to play second line center. We'll see how that goes. But I, I think this kind of gets into, you know, the way that this roster looks right now. Uh, something I thought about a little bit here over the last couple weeks leading into the season is kind of, especially with Tate Thompson playing center, the perfect example of that is maybe how the Sabres kind of got caught with their pants around their ankles here in terms of a center, because I wonder if they all offseason assumed, well, we're just going to get that real nice young center and a Michael trade. That, that's when we'll get that center. We'll slot them in and, you know, here we are the night before the season and Jack Michael still technically is on the roster. So they never got that. I think that kind of caught them off guard and has them in the situation now where they're playing musical chairs uh, with its centers. It's Roots Elaine and it's Gergensen's it's Thompson. It's, you know, whoever they want to throw now a Deacon. And I don't know, is, is Hinnestroza at some point going to get center minutes and, you know, whoever can take a face off sure they can play center. We'll just see what happens. So that seems to be their approach, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, Jack Quinn played some center, you know, so it shows you kind of how desperate they are to fill their positions. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I don't think it's as bad as that 14-15 team, and they're not they're not trying, actively trying to do what they were doing that season. I, I think they, they know that they didn't construct a winning roster here, but they're not actively going out, you know, in a sense. The general manager is not hoping they lose every single game because that's definitely what's happening that season. You know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and kind of to your point, Taylor, and, and what we kind of just alluded to and, and Chad, I think we might've talked about this on, on our last pod. Um, there was nobody on that 14, 15 team aside from maybe like Ennis and Gergensen's if you want it. And, and like Zdorov maybe who you were like, okay, we get to see pieces of the future core here. Right. Like that tank happened right at the beginning of the rebuild. Like there were no real pieces there, not top end ones at least. Um, so I think that part is obviously very different because you have cousins, you have middle stat, you've got, even if you want it, you've got Asplund, right. I mean, Samuelson and Johnson are in the system. You, you Darlene is here. Yoki Haru is here. Right. So there's power no is talent. coming next year. So power, some guys. Uh, yeah. Great. Good, good omission. And Paterko, right. Like you've got, <laughs> Yeah. Um, you've got the pieces at, at least to assemble a portion of your core, probably a pretty fair portion of it, right? So yep. it's not like we're waiting for that first piece, like we were waiting for McDavid slash Eichel, right? Like that was going to be the first piece and then more things were going to happen. We're like, the more things have already happened. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like, a, yeah. a, like Chad said, an aggressive tank because like you're just bottoming out like, you know, organizationally as a philosophy. It's not really what's happening here. Um, also, Taylor, I don't know if you have the 14-15 starting uh, lineup for opening night in front of you. I'm, I'd be curious how many of those defensemen played another full season in the NHL. Because the Ooh, biggest – yeah, please. Cause I was biggest, just saying I could get it up quick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, no problem. The, the biggest, I bet it's only Zadorov and Ristolainen. I, bet it's I don't even know if Risto was, was on that lineup, was he? He was, yeah. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess – Mike Weber played the night. Oh, played Weber, the yep. Year. Okay. Yep, Weber too. So about so probably half because Benoit definitely didn't. Mazaros definitely didn't. I don't Let's think see. George's was here yet. Okay, just one. Uh, I think here George, it is. It is the oh, defensemen are George's and Myers. Oh, he was okay. Oh, Myers. Okay. Uh oh yeah yeah the opening night had George's Myers Benoit Mazaros Weber Ristolainen. Okay, but so six. Or yeah, four out of the six. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll say that Tyson Strachan was a member of the starting lineup for uh, a good portion of that year. Okay, so so like let let's call it four of your seven defensemen, right? Who rotated in the most were were NHL players the following season. Like that's that's and, crazy. 
And if you want to like extend it to two seasons, Weber and George's are out. Yeah. Like two, sure, two right. years later, it's only uh, Risto and Myers. Right. Yeah. So it, it's kind of crazy, right? Where I would, I would go as far to say, I think the only guy who's maybe at risk of not playing another full season, if he's bad again, is, is Hag, right? So in that regard, I think that, I think the defense is the biggest defining quality of, of why this team is better than that team. I don't think the forwards have that great of a disparity. You know, you had Felino and his Molson before he was terrible. Um, you know, you, there were like people. Um, that, so I think the forwards are, are relatively comparable, but the defensive group is better. And then like, you know, it kind of depends on if Craig Anderson plays like he's 107, like, or if he's got one more year left. Uh, yeah, that's a big if. I, I think mm. that is definitely the biggest question mark going into this season. I mean, yeah. I, and I don't even know if it's much of a question mark, just considering the fact that it's kind of expected that it's not going to be great. You know, one of the things that I, I did want to throw out there to you guys, we had uh, Jared Halt on um, and, and Bill from the Charging Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. A point that I find to be kind of interesting about this year is that this year, more than any other year, it feels like just about every single player on the team has an unexpected outcome in either direction for this year. Like you knew in past years with the Sabres, at least in the most, the more recent history, you knew what you were going to get with Eichel. You knew what you're going to get with Reinhardt. And to another degree, you knew what you were going to get with Ristolainen and that it, it wasn't going to change. But with this year, there are just so many question marks. Like, is Skinner going to be able to bounce back given that he is going to be relied on to be a source of scoring? Like, is Cousins going to be able to take a step? Is Middlestat step for real or was it not? Darlene, the same thing can be said too. Is he going to be able to bounce back from, you know, Kruger's effect still and, and get to a point where he is even close to being what we had thought he was a couple of years ago? Um, and I think that it goes for pretty much the majority of the lineup. Like we really don't know what we're going to get. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, for one, it adds a, a definite, you know, element of like curiosity for this season, I guess, that maybe we haven't had before, you know, given again, that expectations are low, but I'm just kind of curious for your guys thoughts on that. Like just the fact that there's really no sure bets for how like anybody is going to do this year. You can go first, Simon. Yeah, I think it, that kind of circles back a little bit to what we talked about in the opening, where you're really focusing on individual performance more than anything, right? This, this season, because you're right, you you got a lot of wild cards, right? It, it is, I mean, Dylan Cousins, for as great as he was, you know, last year, there were there were flaws in his game, there were things he needed to work on, right? And it's 41 games that he played, I believe, was the final total, right? Great point about middle stat, right? Where it was interesting. His, his underlyings were actually worse under Granado significantly, in fact. Um, but he, he just, he found the back of the net. You know what I mean? He produced points, you know, when, when Granado took over. And so, yeah, you want to see how, how is that going to translate, right? Even a guy like Asplund, I mean, he had a really bad rookie season and then followed it up last year with a really good year. So, um, you know, what is, what is Ruth Selene in, uh, you know, to an extent, what is Dali and Yoki Haru? Is that a top pairing or is it not? Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can, can Jacob Bryson be anything that you're right. There are so many factors, right. And even if you want to go as far as on the Amherst, like can Jack Quinn do something at the AHL level even, right. I mean, is, right. is, is Paterka's like uh, training camp performance could translate down there. Cause that's probably where he's headed or probably where he's going to stay rather most of the year. Um, Luke, is he going to take the next step? So, so like across the organization, 
even to the collegiate ranks, if you want it, like there are a lot of individual guys who you're going to have the microscope on this year. And that's, that's what makes it unique and different. Um, I think we should caution ourselves to think that all those guys are going to hit because we had a little bit of fun with them in that 22 or 23 game stretch under Granado. Right. Uh, so I, I'd be, I'm still cautious about middle stat. Very. Um, I think cousins has, has a good ceiling, but I think, there's a lot of people who think he's a future first line center. And I don't know if that's right. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot of guys that I'm going to approach with kind of cautious optimism this year. And, and I, that, that really need to take that next step. And that's going to be the difference between, you know, the people who are saying like, this is as bad as the tank team and the people who are saying, you know what, they could surprise and do something well because hockey's crazy and shit happens. Right. So um yeah, like like you said, there, there there is definitely no sure bet on this team. Even even if you want to go to the current franchise cornerstone, which is Dalene, like from top to bottom, everybody's a question mark. It's a good point. So, so I wanted to ask you guys also about uh, something that's come up uh, with the the lineups they've had the past few days in practice. That again, a lot of people seem to think is going to be the opening night lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's two main things that I kind of i'm surprised by slash somewhat concerned with i mean it's one it could it could change after opening night so i'm not that concerned with it and like we said it's not that big of a deal this season but right now robert hag seems to be in and will butcher seems to be out and also at center eakin seems to be in a roots line and seems to be out um are what do you guys make of uh that right now um the eakin thing is more concerning for me um, you know, Butcher, I mean, I, I, I get it based on how he played in the preseason, which wasn't that great. Um, so I, I get Hag starting over. I mean, Butcher will get his games, will play. Um, so it, it's whatever. There's going to be some sort of rotation between Butcher, Bryson, and Hag at the bottom of the lineup, and that's just the way it's going to be all season long. And whoever's playing the best will stay in the lineup, basically. So, you know, I guess it's a way of you know, putting some internal competition at the bottom of your lineup. But, yeah, the Russellanian thing, I, I just don't get. It's um, – I mean, it's not that I don't get it. I, I get what happened. Um, but I don't get how you're going to talk about a year of you're going to be a development team and then have a piece like that not play. Well, I mean, it's a the season. He's, he's obviously going to play and get time. But it's it's interesting because, you know, even when Kajula got hurt in practice, you know, he wasn't the one that was moved up into – the lines, if you will, it was Hayden was moved up. So that gives you an idea that he's actually behind Hayden now in the pecking order. So he's literally the 14th forward on your roster. So I don't know. I think it's slightly concerning, and but I'm not surprised by it because it's something that I brought up early in, you know, all the way back to the press box challenge and he was playing center. I just, I never thought he was an NHL center. Uh, they got away from him playing center in the AHL last year before he came up. He was a winger and that went fine. When he went and played in the World Championships in Finland, they played him as a winger. He played with Lundell, remember, and he was great. So he's a winger, and they bought him here and tried to play center, and it didn't go well. And, you know, they decided they were going to ride that bad boy all the way until the final days of camp, and he has a bad camp, and now he's a 14th forward. So, you know, it. it where do they see him? Are they still going to try to shove him into being a center somewhere? If Thompson fails, that's where he's going to go back in? Or are they going to put him in as a winger? But then who goes, who does he go in for? Does him, does he and Kajula rotate around? Because I don't know who else rotates out. You're not going to take a post out probably. 
I guess Eakin, but then he can go be a center in Eakin's spot, but you know, he's gonna play what with a post and Gergensen's. How's that gonna go for him? Right. So it's you know, I, I feel like it's there was always to me out to this roster, there was always a guy that just wasn't gonna fit somewhere. And when I kind of put lines together, I always thought that guy was Olofsson, where I just where I, I have a line put together and I'm like, I don't know where I put him. I guess I just put him here. I'll put him with Jurgensen's and Oposo and maybe he'll score some goals, but I don't know. So, but it looks like Ruth Salanen's going to be that guy, which is interesting because they kind of have a similar skill set in a way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out with him. But for me, I think Ruth Salanen's definitely the more concerning of the two because, you know, it, it's funny because Anthony and I, I think, differ a little bit on Butcher. I'm just kind of, yeah, whatever. Um, and then, you know, on Middlestay, I think we're the opposite too, where he's cautiously, eh, we'll see. Where me, I'm very bullish on the season that Middlestay's going to have. I think he's going to have a really strong year. Yeah, so so on on that point, right? And I think Chad pretty much said it all on on the Ruth Salinen thing. So I won't really touch on that. It, it's kind of silly, you know, positionally and and just kind of how they've distributed talent that way. Like uh, Cody Eakin doesn't need to play at all, and if, if you want a center to sub in, Gergensen's was kind of like the initial thought they had, right? Um, I think dating back to that first preseason game is is where he lined up, and they were like, nope, just kidding. Uh, so I don't really get that, but the the butcher thing bothers me for a couple of reasons. I, I think that at his peak, right, if you want to get him back to where he was those first two years, uh, from accounting stats standpoint, that he becomes your more valuable trade asset later. Now, something that's interesting, and, and I found this by accident because I was actually doing research for, for something else, uh, over the last three seasons of NHL hockey among the 179 defensemen who have played at least 2,000 minutes, Robert Hag has the second highest expected goals against rate per 60 of any defenseman in the NHL out of 179 defensemen over the last three years. Wow. He has the second. Yeah. So I think John Moore had the first, if memory serves. So um, he's horrible. I, I, I don't understand it. I think the talent disparity between them is gargantuan. Uh, does it matter that much? I, I guess not. And, you know, NHL GMs prove this offseason they still have no freaking idea how to analyze defensemen or, you know, how to how to discern talent in that regard. So um, maybe Robert Hag is a more valuable player. Maybe they see that in terms of trade value. Right. I don't see it uh, just being an analytics person. Uh, I think you have more value in trying to rehabilitate Butcher and, and you know, get his value back up, because then essentially you got a pick to take him on. And if you can get another pick for him at the deadline, that's just amazing, you know, asset management. So. Um, I think what hurts Butcher, not to cut you off, is that he's kind of a similar player to a lot of the guys they have, Bryson, Bellin, Yoki Haru, in a sense that he has that, he's more of that offensive-minded where his defense is kind of, eh, you know, you get concerned about some mistakes. I'm not saying that Hag is perfect by any means, but what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that Hag, what he can do for you is he can stay on the front of the net. He's, you know, your shot blocker and he can kill penalties where you can't get that out of Bryson or I'm sorry, not a Bryson out of a butcher. So, I mean, I guess like if you want to go characteristic wise, maybe, but he's not better at it. Because no, 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 I, no, I'm not I mean, saying better. I'm just saying not. his skill set overall <laughs> okay. is similar to a lot of the players they have where Hag is that different big, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? That big defenseman who's going to, you know, lay in the guys and lean on guys and stuff like that. Well, one of the typical style. This one just doesn't wear 55. 
shook me to my core with that one. Uh, uh well one thing i do want to bring up though that i think is important at least with granado and granted you know we're going off of a small sample size last season but the one thing that he did show though is that he can identify like if a guy's playing good they're going to stay in the lineup and if a guy is playing poorly they're going to be out of the lineup and look no further than eakin you know I, i guess how i'm at least trying to rationalize it because what both of you said was completely on the money like I agree with you Anthony that I think it should be Butcher in there and I think he has way more upside and at the same time the points about Roost Line are 100% correct and I think that we're not going to get very far into the season until we realize how glaringly obvious whether it's Hag or more likely Eakin how bad they're going to end up looking that a change is going to have to happen you know, and then you're going to get Roostalainen and you'll get Butcher and probably more to the ex- more safely we could bet for, for Roostalainen's sake. They're going to get into the lineup and you're going to see the noticeable difference. And I would have you'll a hard- inevitably have injuries too. Right, yeah. exactly. I, I just, knowing how Granado coaches and his general style and approach, because I think that he's like the antithesis of, of Kruger in that sense. And so mm-hmm. I think that he will ride that once those guys end up getting a chance. At least that's what I'm telling myself. We have to tell ourselves little things to keep ourselves sane in these, you know, 10 year playoff drought times. So I'm at least well, trying he to said as much, you know, he's, he said as much and he was asked about it. He said, you know, all these, I told all these guys, they're all going to play. And I think the phrase he used when he t- said he talked to players was spare me the drama. You know, everyone's going to get their minutes. Everyone's going to play like just because you're not playing opening night. Doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to go play right 81 games or 77 games, you know, just, hmm relax exactly exactly all right yes yeah. so i was just gonna say also add about Eakin. i think it might from a young locker room perspective uh look a little bit better to have someone who he's like a veteran or whatever like oh he gets to play maybe maybe it's i mean it probably also that they just don't have four centers but like they can do more that centers. yeah you're right. yeah it might be that but also it might look good that like he gets to play and then when he plays poorly he gets benched, you know, that might be a more powerful message than anything else. And it might honestly piss a lot less people off than, you know, Ritz and playing center poorly and then getting benched. Um, yeah. But I wanted to ask about someone else we haven't really touched on too much. Uh, the potential leading scorer of this team and the most expensive player in the team, Jeff Skinner. Uh, I don't need to say that he has been a big disappointment the first two years of his contract. Uh, but he also was wrestling with a coach that seemed to kind of hate him. Um, now he doesn't have that, but he also it seemingly doesn't really have anyone to set him up. So do you see a productive year coming from him? What's a productive year? Well, let's say he bounces back to, if he plays a full season, at least 25 goals. I think that's where I'd, I'd set my higher end of his spectrum it depends but, if he how much if he plays in the power play or not right that's a, and, that's a big deal yeah and also uh, it, he's not scoring 25 five on five goals no no, so, no 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 <laughs> so he's, he's so. not getting power play time i think you're around 16 yeah and I'll, i do like who he's skating with right now though i mean you got middle stand you've got him who i think looked he might have been the best saber during the preseason. Him and Aspen, um, the two best players on the team. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, he's got good line mates. I mean, he's got probably got the best set of line mates on the team. Uh, if you want to take it from an individual standpoint. So 
a bounce back to like the guy they paid nine million dollars to absolutely not which i don't think that's what you're asking yeah i know that's not what you're asking but no. like certainly not um 25 goals yeah it's not it's not outside of the realm of possibility but as chad said that a lot of that or i guess a good portion of it is going to be predicated on how much power play time he gets which is unknown so before we get back to sabers talk let's uh let's hear from our sponsors from DraftKings. Uh, another NFL uh, week is in the books. That means another uh, shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, quite a while ago, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with the first deposit. So what do you got to do? You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN, then throw down $1 on any NFL game and won $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, and we're back, back to the hockey talk. So there's a few interesting guys uh, this year that are not on the NHL roster, at least not at the moment. So I just have kind of a quick question about them. Uh, what do you guys think, uh, who, do you, who do you think is most likely to have at least some NHL impact at the end of this season? Any impact at all? UPL, Jack Quinn, or JJ Paterka? The third one. Yeah. That makes sense based on the preseason. Makes a yeah. good bit of sense. I mean, he was obviously the last one to get moved down. Um, I think he's probably your first, maybe second call up behind Murray. Uh, and, unless they don't want to burn a year off as ELC, which is a total possibility. So um, if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, I would, I would say it's Paterka just because I don't think you're going to see Quinn up unless he's tearing up the AHL. And then UPL pretty much showed that he needs more time. Yep. I agree. Nice. That makes sense. All right. So I want to, well, quickly, I want to talk about Rasmus Stalin. Before we do that, I want to actually just throw a couple of, a uh, couple of questions at you guys where you get to choose between two options and tell me which of these two players you think. So first I want to start off who is going to score more points this year, Dylan Cousins or Casey Metalstat? Agreed. Taylor. I agree. Based on the end of last season, I'll say Metalstat. Who is going to score more goals and more points between Skinner and Olafson? Skinner. For both? Yeah. Yep. I, I agree as well. Okay. All in agreement there. All right. Here's another one then, and this will be a nice little transition into us talking about Rasmus Dahlin. Who scores more points, Rasmus Dahlin or Yoki Haru and their third leading defenseman in ice time combined? Oh, man. Uh I'm trying to think of who that'd be Yoki Haru and who Bryson. I mean, you're, you're uh, Bryson Miller. or Miller. Miller. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Darlene. Yeah. Be optimistic right. based on uh, what he did his first two years. Yoki Haru is not a point guy and what is Miller right. going to go crazy and get 30 some points. I mean, Darlene yeah. is going to end with your 40, 50 points. He just, he's playing power play minutes. He's going to play a ton of minutes. 
you're literally, I mean, He's literally the only guy to, to threaten to get like some points out of the rest of that group is Bryson. Like Pezik isn't going to get points. Uh, Hag's not going to get points. No. You don't know how much Butcher is playing. Yeah. And Samuelson, I mean, if it's in, he's not racking up points for you either. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Darlene. That's a good question, I'm not, though. I'm not sure it's really even, now when I'm thinking about it, I'm not even sure it'll really be particularly close. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's good then. So but let's get into Darlene then, because he is maybe the most intriguing player on this team this year. And I think maybe even more than intriguing, it comes down to his development being arguably the most pivotal in terms of a guy at least getting close to reaching their, their ceiling. Um, how confident are you both going into this, this upcoming season now? I mean, he admittedly has not had the best preseason. Of course, we know that he was better under Granado than he was under Kruger pretty much exponentially. And that in large part was due to the way that Granado is deploying him and playing him and really the, the style of play that he's trying to instill in him as compared to Kruger, uh, who, you know, what he was doing was really ultimately stifling the offense that Darlene, you know, that what makes him great, um, so I'm just kind of curious, I guess, like, where are you guys at with Darlene right now? And do you find it likely that he's able to bounce back and unlearn so much of the, the horrible things that Kruger instilled in him during his tenure as coach? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, there's confidence. Um, you know, it's, I got to tell you, those first 20 games are really big for him. Um, he can't look like he forgot how to play hockey for 20 games again. He's done that for two years in a row now. Um, last year's been a little bit longer than the year before that. Uh, he's got to start strong. Um, and I think doing that will then build his confidence. Because uh, one thing you can, you can tell about Darlene is he's, when he's confident, he's going. Uh, when he's second-guessing himself and not playing with confidence, that's when the mistakes come. That's when he loses guys defensively. That's when he's turning the puck over, uh, when he tries to overhandle it. So. Yeah, I think there's confidence there. I, I think he'll, I, I think he'll be excited or kind of try to rise the opportunity of being that number one defenseman now that he's he's the guy. He's going to see those minutes. He's going to see the difficult opponent every single night. Um, so I think he'll embrace that. Now it's just from there the results going to come. Um, you know, are we going to see the turnovers? Is he going to be a little bit better defensively? He's going to make smart decisions in his own end of the ice. Is he going to get up the ice now that, you know, that that's what the system dictates for him to do and get involved in the offense? So I think if all those things do happen, then, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a similar player that we saw his rookie season. Um, but it starts off slow. Uh, there's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not confident that the rest of the season is going to go great for him because there really is no bailout. Um, there's no new coach coming. There's nobody else behind you who can take first pair of minutes. So like, this is, this is what it should, this is what it should be in your fort. It, this is a big kid. You're going to sink or swim here. So here you go. And let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Chad covered all the points there for sure. I mean, th there's, there's no doubt this is his, his big kind of almost prove it year. I know he's got th a three-year deal, but um yeah, this is when we see if Rasmus Dahlin was really held back in majority part, I guess I'll say, by, by Ralph Kruger, or if he's just maybe not what we thought he was going to be. Um, so he'll have every chance to prove it, like, like Chad just alluded to. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big, big what-if year for him, for sure. 
I think I agree most with Chad's assessment about the beginning of the year. Oh, it's yeah. easy to forget just the, the beginning of the 2019 season since it was before COVID and so much just happened in the world and the hockey world since then. But it was really concerning the beginning of that year. And he obviously got things turned around. But at this point, that's that's two of his three seasons with starts like that. And quick math in my head right now, it's, I guess, probably more than 20% games played. Or yeah. somewhere in the range of 30, 30, or sorry, 15, 20% of his games played, he's looked horrific. Now, I mean, obviously, he's also been very, very productive on the offensive end at other times. So it's a mixed bag. But yeah, this is this is a huge, huge start for, if, if nothing else, Sabres, conf, Sabres fans' confidence in him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, it, I think it's time for us to talk about the current member of the Buffalo Sabres who is never going to wear a Sabres jersey ever again. And of course, <laughs> I'm talking about Jack Eichel. So he remains a Sabre. I think uh, if you would have asked us all probably several months ago, we would have assumed that he would have been gone by now or at the very least hoped he would have. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think we're kind of at this point now that, you know, we're hearing these reports that progress is being made and that, you know, Pat Brisson is kind of helping progress this along far more than his agent, his agents who he has since fired were. But I mean, do you guys feel as though there is an end in sight? Are you getting the sense that, you know, this could be happening sooner rather than later to start? And then after that, we can get into where we think the most likely landing spots are. Yeah, I think that I think there's a push league-wide from a lot of places, players association, the league, uh, his agent, maybe even the Sabres themselves, um, to kind of just get ready to move on with the lighters here. So, yeah, um, you know, I don't think it's going to have like next week or something, but um, November, December. Um, I, I think in November, to be honest. I think it's where we're going to see it happen. The dude's got to get a surgery, you know, and the Sabres are not going to let him have the surgery he wants. He's not going to get the surgery the Sabres want. So, you know, this, this is just, just <laughs> it's, it's got to happen here. So I, I think by the end of November, um, we, we get a resolution here. Anthony? I have no idea. I have no idea when we're going to get a resolution, but um, I don't know. Nothing would surprise. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened by by the time we're done recording here, and it wouldn't surprise me if it happens at the trade deadline. Like, and I, I'm just forgetting about it at this point, um, because I spent all summer prognosticating like Adam Henrique as our number one center, and now it like goofed me up with everything I'm doing. So, um, I'm just gonna pretend they're not getting anything for him until they do, and I think that's that's, that's probably healthiest for everybody. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I'm not gonna even take a stab at when he's going to get traded. I have no idea at this point because my answer has changed every week since the saga started. Well, I would say maybe then more pressing than when he gets traded is, is where he ends up going to. I mm, think that's the question. That's right, you did say that. Mind. And so, I mean, are you guys getting a sense that anywhere, you know, there's a team that's maybe a front runner, a couple of teams that are front runners or just in general, you know, where the best fit is for both, you know, I mean, more so from the Sabres perspective in terms of a, an interested, an interested party that has what the Sabres really need to get out of a deal as pivotal as this. Vegas and Calgary. That's those. Are you think it's just I mean, down yeah. to those two, Chad? Vegas, Calgary, and Anaheim's hanging out in the background. Chance, Anaheim, yeah. And that's that's. And really I think it. if you want to talk best fit for Eichel, I think Vegas is is obviously. I think that they'd be kind of the best fit for anybody because um, yeah. they're really good. Uh, 
if I had to make a prediction, I actually think it ends up being Calgary. Um, just because I, I, it seems to me that their top prospects aren't as, I guess the reporting hasn't been out there. They're as untouchable, right? Like nobody's come out and said like Connor Zary is untouchable. Whereas Peyton Krebs, there's been reports that Vegas has said no way. And like, I'm not really, I'm not thrilled with the idea of, of, of Brisson or, or uh, um, Elvenes like coming back uh, out of Vegas. That, that's really mad to me. And like their, their pick is definitely going to be the end of the first round. So like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me as much if Krebs or at all, I should say, if Krebs isn't involved, um, you know, before they draft power, like Nicholas Haig was like a cool idea, but I don't need another left shot defenseman. So um, the more appealing team to me right now is, is probably Calgary uh, just because I, I think just based on everything we've heard, which has time and time again, proven to be inaccurate. So like take this with a grain of salt, but I, I haven't heard anyone say Connor Starry's off the table. I haven't heard any, you know what I mean? Just yeah. nothing, nothing really of that nature. So it seems like they are maybe more receptive to trading a higher end prospect. And that's a guess that's, that's conjecture mixed with like what I've heard. I mean, I, I gotta just say though, too, it, I get the concerns with Eichel, but it, you got to think that Vegas is going to budge at some point on Krebs. You know, I, I appreciate I that so. Kevin Adams is holding firm with this and it's, he, I, you Plus know, he's it, playing it, well. And then, right. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, he, I, man, watching last night, he is in he played a well last night. Skater. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Um, but I, you know, we're, we're, again, we're talking about Jack Eichel, you know, we're talking about one of the 10 best Centers, maybe even players when healthy. I mean, it, you know, people will say, yeah, I understand what the neck injury and I understand the risk of that is involved, but we're, we're talking about a guy that was an MVP candidate two seasons ago, like, and he's 24 years old. You know, we're not talking about a guy that's like 28, 29. He's, he's got a lot of mileage left in him. And obviously again, I, I, cause you can't say it enough. There's a lot of risk involved, but to get a player like that, you gotta be able to give up something. And I'm sorry, like, Krebs is amazing and he's great, but I just, I have a hard time feeling that they're going to not budge if it comes down to it. And, and you have the opportunity to get a guy like that and, and including Krebs is what it takes because in, in reality, it's like, do you think that Krebs is going to be better than him? And I don't think that, I mean, I don't know if that's a fair question necessarily, but I got to think the answer to that's going to be no from what we've seen from Jack when he's healthy. Right. And then the other thing with Vegas, too, is they're in a unique spot where they can long term injury reserve Jack and pull a Kucherov and, and just bring him back for the playoffs. So right. um, if they really think their window is now and they're they're serious about pushing for a cup, they might not care as much about Jack's long term viability. Right. Yeah, might be. Can you get me so, that Jack? Let's get two to three years out of here. And then we'll right. Exactly. So so you're right. If that's where their brain is at. Yeah. You give up Peyton Krebs because you're adding a an elite hockey player to a Stanley cup caliber team already. So um, yeah, I, it all depends on where Vegas sees themselves as an, selves as an organization. And, you know, ultimately if, if they, what they feel about Krebs, if they think he's ready now and, and they think he's a year removed from being a, a top six center, then maybe they don't do it. Maybe they just roll it and try to add another piece somewhere else. But um they're, they're probably in the most advantageous position and, and risk averse, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Position to add a Jack Eichel compared to Calgary, where this is kind of their last shot with this current core. I mean, if Calgary can't make it work this season and next with, with their current group, like they're going to probably have to blow it up, I would imagine. So I think um, it's this season. I mean, Goudreau's sure. on basically be a UFA. 
That's right. And to Chuck's contract, it means an RFA, yep. but his contract is up too. And right. Monahan's a year away from being yeah. a free agent. So no, you're not wrong. Of, that, like, this is it, right? So at I, the very least, like, you got to show those guys like something. Like, look, it's right. okay. Sign with us because look, here's Eichel, and he'll play with us next season, and we'll be good. Well, that that's that's definitely like a glass half full way to look at it, and I look at it like they'd be taking a, a bigger risk than average, right? Oh, than your average sure. team. So of course. So yeah, it's believe me, there's there's a lot of factors to play. There always have been. Um, but we'll see what happens. If if I had to put money on it, I, I would guess probably Vegas. But I don't know. I think I think Calgary ultimately offers you the best return, which is, is the goal here. Definitely. Let me just ask. I will you- say before we move off of it that Brendan Brisson is a really good hockey player. So like it he wouldn't be disown his too. dad. He's gonna disown his dad <laughs> for trading him to the Sabers. He's a know. psychopath. What dad I would know. do that? Well, his dad it's wouldn't not, turn him to the Sabres. The Vegas GM would. Like, like his dad is making me. I know trade. listeners can't see our video cameras right now. <laughs> just, just imagine the look I'm giving Chad. Jefferson uh, is not out here making the trade details. He's he's trying to get a trade done. So it wouldn't be all of Dad's fault. Like, I they're, hope they're, he's they got an for like open week, spot you know. on his shelf for the worst dad ever mug he's about <laughs> to get if that happens. Uh, uh, Taylor, do you have any other questions on the uh, on the Eichel front? I don't. Well, one last thing I want to ask then, just best guess. We already talked. We know who it's going to be if it's Vegas. We know who it would be if it's Calgary. If it's Anaheim, who is the most likely key piece to that deal? Yeah. Um, is it McTavish? Bro, it's not no. going to be McTavish. Yeah. yeah. McTavish made the team. Comptoir, I doubt yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. There was some talk that they were willing to do Drysdale at one point, but that came with the Sabres also including more from their end. Um, right. So that we're not going to never really got off the ground, but um, yeah, I mean, pro, but right. the difference is you're getting a much higher pick than out of Vanaheim. Yeah. At the same right. time though, that's also going to come with Condition. you know, some conditions behind that. Yeah. Um, but it would be probably pro, and I bet Max Comtois is in there. So you get a decent roster player now where you maybe you wouldn't in the Vegas trade. And then you probably got to take Henrique, and then you're going to get a conditional first out of that based on playing time or lottery protection. It is, you know, that, that type of deal. Right. I mean, I think you're getting conditional first regardless based on lottery protection. No one's giving you an unprotected, not even Vegas. Even though right. Vegas is not giving a lottery, they're not giving you an unprotected yeah. first. Right. No, definitely makes sense. All right, guys. Well, before then, last last thing before we move on to our uh, divisional previews for each of the four divisions, how many points do the Sabres end up with this season? All four of us. Taylor, you want to start? 67. Chad? 74. Anthony? And I am smack dab in the middle of 70. I am also at 70. I had that one written down from earlier. Yep. All right. Well, guys, let's start off then with the Atlantic division here. So what we're going to do, everybody, is go division by division, and we're going to pick our top three teams coming out of each division. So starting with the Sabres own division, very top heavy, as we know. Um, Of course, you have the reigning two-time back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Florida really beefed themselves up this offseason and looks really good. You have Toronto, who, you know, perennial playoff team, but can't seem to make it past the first round. 
the Bruins, a lot of questions surrounding them. Another team that, you know, has been a perennial playoff team, but are they entering into a, a new phase? You know, is their goaltending question marks going to be able to keep them afloat? Um, you have Montreal, who, of course, we know their crazy run last year. And then you have, of course, Detroit, Buffalo, and, uh, and Ottawa as the bottom feeders of the division. So let's go around. Who do we have as our top three and anybody really jumping out at you this year? Yeah, for the Atlantic Division, I've got my top three as Florida as number one, because I'm a little biased, but I think they're they're really stacked. Um, I'm also a Spencer Knight believer, so I think he's going to do a good job for them, too. I've got Tampa as number two, because I just love that Florida idea of them being one and two in the division and that becoming a thing again. And then number three, as much as we hate them, I still think they're good, Toronto. Yeah, for me, I think it's similar. Um I'd still put Tampa one because I think they're one until someone says they're not uh, Florida two and then Toronto three. And I think everybody, including Montreal, I know they had a run, but I think everybody else is kind of just along for the ride in that division. And I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think those are your top three teams. I think those will be your top three teams going away. I just, I'm not, I'm sure Boston might be there. I'm just not a believer in that team really got Bergeron talking about this probably going to be his last year you know it's an older roster goaltending looks to be a concern especially if you look at the way Allmark played in the preseason because he was pretty poor there's even talk that Swayman was going to start the season over him um so we'll we'll see there I think there's so many question marks with Boston being the top three which is probably the beginning of their mini descent here for that team yeah I uh I have actually the same three teams. My order is Florida, Tampa, Toronto, um, Florida, obviously very contingent on either Spencer Knight being good right away or Bavarovsky, um, recovering some of his form and being at least okay. Tampa, I would pick Tampa in a playoff series over Florida, but they don't have the depth that like they basically lost an entire line of guys, uh, this off season. And so they won't have like the depth they've had in the last couple of years. And, I mean, they still have great goaltending. They're still great at every position. So I would I would pick them as uh, having better cup odds than Florida, but have Florida as a better regular season team. I mean, I think they were last year too. So just following that pattern. And then obviously no Kucherov last year, that mattered. But then Toronto third. And I agree with uh, Chad that I think that's a, a really, really solid top three. And, you know, kind of chalk from there, Boston, Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, a little bit of distance between all those teams which I think is not really the case in other divisions. I think that's a, a pretty clear bottom five order for me. Yeah. Well, we're two and two because I had the same as Chad. I had Tampa, Florida, and Toronto, and the same reasoning as Chad that Tampa's number one for me until somebody can prove otherwise. And I, I by all means, think that Florida can do it, but I'm not ready to make that plunge yet until uh, – until they actually do it and we see it in action. So with that being said, guys, let's move on to the Metro. Real quick, real quick oh, yeah. before this, though, I'd like to I just realized this, that under mine and uh, Anthony's that uh, Toronto could have like a 100 plus point season and play Tampa in the first round. And I like to think that's funny. That's part of the I, subconsciously. <laughs> yeah. I think that's partly why I picked it, because I think they would be a uh, huge, huge underdogs. The funny uh, thing is, I, I think they underdogs in Florida, too. I so didn't even consider that. And that's awesome. Yeah, that, it, it, that would be hilarious, though. Oh, too good. All right. Well, let's let's do the Metro next. We'll switch it up. Taylor, you want to go first this time around? Sure. Uh, 
Metro, like a lot of people have said, like the top six could be in basically any order. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought of today. So I just went off. I didn't think too hard about it and kind of went in a, a vibes kind of way. Just because you have to just you're I think you're making big assumptions on any team, but I think these teams all be within 15, 16 points, uh, which is very rare for one through six. But either way, uh, I have Pittsburgh one, which although it seems like they've been a huge failure, especially like with their first round playoff exits, they won the division last year uh, that we were in. So I still think they're a strong regular season team. They look good last night, even without Crosby and Malkin. And if Crosby and Malkin are actually out for well, I think Crosby's back in the not too distant future. Maybe if Melkin's next thing, we're talking, yeah. Yeah, if Melkin's thing is really serious, as in he misses like three quarters of the season, I, I will no longer believe this. But their goaltending, which is a concern in the playoffs, and I won't feel confident if I was a Pittsburgh fan going to the playoffs, uh, hasn't been bad in the regular season. Like, they've been kind of fine. So I feel pretty decent about them. But like I said, any of these teams could probably win it. I have the Islanders second. People seem pretty high on the Islanders for good reason. Uh, they haven't had like a crazy strong regular season yet. Like they were fourth in the division last year. They had kind of a bad finish to the COVID season, but they're a force in the playoffs. And I'm sure they will be again. And then I actually have Carolina third and I didn't love Carolina's off season, but I think they're still really good. I Obviously their goaltending is a huge question mark and they'll lose Hamilton was not ideal, obviously, but. I think they're uh, they're they're still in 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 decent shape, and I, that's why. And like just to the other three that, I mean, the reasons I didn't pick them is like the Rangers. I would have absolutely had in my top three, uh, except that their off season was terrible. It's a weird way to say it, but like I thought they were really trending up the way they played last year, and I believe in their goaltending to some extent. And they seemed like a high scoring team, good mix of like guys like Panarin, Zibanejad there in their prime, and young guys coming up. Even though I think Capo Caco sucks. Um, but they, I don't like their off season at all. And I don't really like the direction they're heading in. Uh, so I didn't have them Philadelphia, just really hard to believe in them uh, with that. Like I, it's not even that I, I don't trust Carter Hart. It's like after what happened last season, it's hard to be super confident in him, especially to play out of games. And they basically don't have a backup goalie. So that's uh, a problem. And then Washington, um, with Backstrom being hurt and all the question marks running Kuznets off. I don't, I mean, some year they have, have to eventually not be in the top three. Well, if you're curious, they're boat racing the Rangers right now for nothing. So I just, I just saw that. So I, <laughs> I feel more confident in my Rangers pick, but a lot less confident in my Washington pick. <laughs> all right. You want uh, to I guess, I guess I'll go next. So I have Carolina one um, outside of picking signing Tony D'Angelo. I, I think they actually had a pretty decent offseason. Um, I'm higher on Kakaniemi than most people. Um, I think Ethan Bear was a huge get for them in, in the loss of Hamilton's. So that'll help them a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'll have them one. I think Anderson and Ronson going to be just fine for them. You know, they'll, 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 they're both decent goalies. And, you know, the thing is they have some injury history, but I think they both can – split the load which is nice and that'll keep them healthy um so really i honestly think that might be the best tandem they've had in a while there so you know we'll see how that goes for them so i have carolina one and this is where it kind of gets weird for me um i'm actually i'm, I'm still struggling a little bit. I, I guess i'll go the islanders too because they're just they're just always there 
And then I, I think Pittsburgh and Washington will fight for three. Um, if you have to hold me down now, I guess I'll say Pittsburgh. Um, but I, I think Pittsburgh and Washington will be in that in that three four battle. And then from there, it's I don't know, it's whatever Rangers, Flyers. I mean, Columbus we at the bottom. Right? New Jersey, I'm not that sold on them really. Um, I know they got Hamilton and some other things, but I'm not that sold on them. Uh, Flyers, I got to see if Hutton or Hart, sorry, can uh, play hockey again, or he still is a terrible goaltender. Carter Hutton. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. He's going to be Carter Hutton or Carter Hart. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see which one he's going to come out as. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that division's tough. So that, that's kind of the way I see it right now. Uh, real quick on the New Jersey thing. Is is Blackwood going to be able to play games in like MSG in Canada and stuff? MS, in MSG, I think yes. Um, which is weird because in, like Kyrie can't in Brooklyn. But I, I don't know why hockey players can, but yeah. Oh, you know what? I think it's a home home team thing. Actually, yeah. I did. I did see that. So that makes so, sense. So yeah, he'll be able to. So the concern is the thing is with him from what I've read is they don't go to Canada until like a few months into the season. And they're hoping by that point he gets both of his shots. And he already talked about that. He's probably just going to do it. So no, I think it won't be an issue by the time they start heading to Canada for games. Okay. Anthony, who yeah, you got? So I like that. We're going to pick three different division winners. Uh, I have the Islanders taking the division. Um, I think I've predicted that like each of the last two years. So I'm just going to keep hitting it, hit roll with it until it hits. Um, I like them I'm, every year. I'm high on them. I just like their team. Um, I like that they got rid of Nick Letty, who I know he's got a good name, but he's been a detriment to them on the back end um, over the last few seasons. So I'm, I, I actually think they got better addition by subtraction. Um, yeah. So I like them a lot. Uh, I've got Pittsburgh is number two. I picked Pittsburgh to win our division last year and that ended up hitting. So I'm going to keep them high uh, despite them missing Crosby and Malkin for X amount of games. And then my number three team was pretty clear. That's Carolina. Um, uh, like, like Chad said, I, I'm not very low on their offseason. I actually think they had a pretty good one. Um, aside from doing that weird shit with Nadalkovich and signing an abhorrent racist, uh, they, they did a good yeah. job. So um, the only other team I really even considered for the top three at all was Washington because they're kind of always like Chad said about the Islanders are just kind of always around. Um, and, and they've got still some top end talent that that's gotta be close to aging out at some point here. But, um, and then I'm glad everybody learned their lesson last year. Cause I think when we did, when I was on this pod last year and did the predictions, the most heat I took was saying Philly wouldn't just miss the playoffs. They'd be bad. Um, Oh, I think I was there with you. I didn't. I didn't like Philly either. I think I was. Okay. Let me just remember this. I remember. I remember arguing with Zach about it on Twitter, and he wanted me to make a bet. And I'm like, I'm not going that crazy. And I probably <laughs> yeah. I'd have made a bet. Philly sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, so I think we all had the same top three, just in different orders, which is kind of funny. And uh, that would kind of be correct, at least. I know. Well, I, I had Carolina at the top. I think that they're going to win the division. I'm with you guys that I don't think that they had to, I thought they had a pretty decent off season. And I believe in the Anderson Ranta duo, assuming that Ranta mm-hmm. can stay healthy, but also Anthony, great point that Nadal, Nadal Kovic, like whole situation just made no sense to me at all. It was weird. Yeah. It was very weird. I have the Islanders too, because again, they are just consistently solid and three, I have Washington rather than Pittsburgh. I have Pittsburgh four, but agree that that those will be the two teams battling it out. I just think with Washington, one of the young goalies between Samsonov and Vanacek, one of them is going to stick and they're going to take over the job and run with it. And 
I think that even though their core is aging a bit, they're they're not quite over the hill yet in the way that a team like maybe Boston is. I think that Washington has a little more juice in them still. So let's move over to the West then, fellas, and the Central Division. And I don't think that any of us would uh, disagree with who our top team is in this division in Colorado, who seemingly has, uh, we'll, we'll call it pretty safely, like top two odds maybe of, of being uh, in the cup this year. So where are we at with the Central? Um, Anthony or Chad, when do you guys want to start this one? Yeah, I can go first. Uh, yeah, so Colorado at the top. Uh, then it gets interesting. I I think I would go Minnesota too. Um, now they got Kaprizov back and all that figured out. Uh, and plus, I think they're going to make a push, especially with those cap penalties coming in the next couple of years. I think they're really going to make a push for that team to do something here. Uh, so I have Minnesota two, and then three, probably a battle between St. Louis and Winnipeg. Dallas might put up a fight there, uh, but I'll go. St. Louis for now. Uh, I just think they have a better overall roster than Winnipeg, but you know, Hellebuck again could drag that team to the top like he almost does every year. Yeah, I've got. I think the first two are are very easy. I think Colorado at one and Minnesota at two are are, are pretty much shoe ins. I think they're far and away the best two teams in that division. Um, and and like Chad, I've got St. Louis is third. Um, I like the Blues a lot. I, I think that they're. It's funny because they're what two, three years from removed from winning the cup. So this sounds like audacious as hell to say, but I think they're underrated. Um, and I, I don't, I actually don't really see anyone else pushing those top three at all. Dallas, maybe, but yeah, I'm not. I, it's funny. I, everybody was pretty mad at me about where I had Winnipeg in my Twitter rankings. I, I don't like them uh, that much. So, but Hellbuck is, is obviously a guy who could carry them. So, um, yeah, those are my top three. Same as Chad, pretty much. I, uh, yeah, so I, I'm sure we really are all going to have Colorado at the top. Like, they, they're a little bit less depth, but I, they're going to be awesome. And they have one of the best players in hockey, so they should be just fine, a comfortable 110-point team. What was interesting about this division is this division had, obviously it was di- different format last year, but five of these teams made the playoffs, and one of them was in the Cup two years ago that did make the playoffs last year. And then you basically had, you have another team that added uh, a lot of money this offseason in uh, a lot of marquee guys, former marquee guys, I should say. But yeah, so I have Colorado one. And this is, I guess, where I kind of differ with you. And this is one that I don't feel super strongly about. I like, I think this is similar to the Metro where my, my two through maybe five, I actually feel is they're relatively close. And there's a few things that could make this, you know, kind of jumble this, my order up, but number two, I have Dallas. And my reasoning really is that I, I, I really do believe in their defensive system. And I believe they were incredibly unlucky last year. They had two huge COVID outbreaks, one to start the season and then one in the middle. And they actually had an inordinate number of games scheduled and moved for other people that had COVID outbreaks. And then they also had that ice storm thing. They also canceled. So basically their whole season got screwed up. They didn't have Sagan at all. They didn't have Bishop. And this year, I, I'm not actually sure if they'll have Bishop, but they have, you know, a, a better plan for goaltending than last year and should see Sagan and Radulov. Uh, if they're not healthy, then forget it. They're not going to be anywhere near here. But I, to some degree, I want to respect the job Rick Bonus has done at building a defensive system. Uh, and can then I, can I tell you oh, something interesting real quick on Dallas? Yes. So last year they were the best team in the NHL and expected goals against. 
Do you want to know relative to his teammates who was the best XGA player on that defense? Is it? Hmm. He's a Buffalo Sabre now. Come on, Pasek? Pasek was the best relative teammate expected goals against player on that Dallas defense last year. Has very little to do with your overarching point, Taylor. I just think that's really funny, and I love telling that fact because it's really funny to me. That's, I mean... He, yeah, I guess he's always hit a, a weird, uh, weirdly good advanced stats at times. But yeah, that's that's exciting. Good for so him. There you go. I always like forward was... too, which is th- th- that's the thing with Pesic's stats last few years, where it's kind of like, oh, like, those numbers look right. I'm like, oh well, I guess some of that was playing forward though. So you kind of like <laughs> you have to add that factor into it too. Yeah, definitely a, a very interesting career he's had. Uh, my third place team is Minnesota. I agree with you guys, and I could very easily see them being second. Uh, very fun team and great to have Kaprizov back. And I'm like, honestly, I might as well say, I think Winnipeg and St. Louis are the other playoff teams. I, I think the five will be coming from the central and I agree. I don't, you know, I don't love Winnipeg's roster and I think Hellebuck's the best goalie in the world, but that doesn't mean you're the best goalie in the world every year. So if he's even like, he is kind of hurt even for a little bit and only plays 45 games, I think they're kind of screwed. If he's hurt for a long time, they're definitely screwed. And if he's just kind of meh the way goalies are sometimes for a couple months, they're screwed. So he really just has to be like the best guy in the world for 60 games, probably for them. But I, yeah, I, I, I do think he will be, or at least he's earned the the right to say that he will be before any season. And then, you know, St. Louis is good. I don't right, believe well, in Chicago. If that's, I don't, I don't think any of us do, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't no, really like no, no, no. Uh, what they were doing in the, My, in the long and short term. They think they did something, but they didn't. Right. Sending Seth Jones to a zillion dollars. Yeah, not not the best plan. Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a little bit different than you guys. I, of course, still have Colorado at the top. Um, I have second Winnipeg, actually, because you could count me as a Connor Hellybuck believer. I also think what's key for them is that Pierre-Luc Dubois, I have a hard time thinking, is going to be playing at a 40 point pace as he did last season for them. I think that he's going to settle in more, and I think that he'll – be able to take a step and be a little bit more closer to the guy who he was in Columbus. I mean, obviously he's not going to be relied upon as much there as he is in Winnipeg, but I do think he'll take a step. I think injecting Cole Perfetti into the lineup too is going to be kind of interesting. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have, but I'm at least curious about it. And I think adding, you know, for better or for worse, I do think Brendan Dillon adding him into the defensive court, even though it's still very underwhelming, I think will at least help a little bit there compared to how we'll call it piss poor it's been. Um, so I have third St. Louis actually, as a matter of fact, because I believe that Minnesota is going to be the first wild card team in for sure. And I think that they very likely can go on a run in the playoffs, but I feel as though a lot of people are high on them. And I just think that every year there's some team that everybody is kind of like, Oh yeah, this might be it. Like maybe they'll take a step again. And I just think that Minnesota is going to be good, but I don't know if they'll, end up being as good as a lot of people think. So I have St. Louis going third because just kind of for those reasons that you guys had all kind of mentioned there between just the the veteran experience on that team. I mean, you hope that maybe Tarasenko is going to be able to, he's not going to be the player he was before, but if he at least could get back to being a productive top six winger. Um, and I just think that St. Louis is just going to be able to, to score and, and play solid two-way game. Um, but yeah, I also agree with Taylor's point though, that more likely than not five teams are going to come out of the central rather than uh, any additional teams from, 
from the Pacific. And last but not least, we have the Pacific Division. So this is probably the most top-heavy division in terms of how low the bottom may end up being. Um, at the top, I think we all probably are going to end up having Vegas. Um, but beyond that, it there it's it's debatable for who can end up being in those other two uh, top three spots. So um, Anthony, you want to start us off here? Who do you have in the Pacific? Yeah, at the top, like you said, I've got Vegas. Um, I think they're far and away the most talented team, um, especially if they end up adding Eichel somehow. Uh, They're, yeah, they're just really good. Um, I waffled on two and three here, not who I had for two and three, but in what order I would put them. Um, I'm going to go a little crazy. I'm going to put Seattle at number two. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably nuts. It's probably my hottest take uh, of this ranking so far. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think they, they're they they're not like – they didn't do as good a job in the expansion draft as Vegas, like not even close. But, like, I think they did okay. Um, and I think the Pacific is just awful in general. So they're well facilitated to do well early. Uh, and then my third team is the Edmonton Oilers because McJesus can't miss the playoffs again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go next. So I have Vegas one, of course. Um, and then I have Vegas two and then I have Vegas three. No. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm also in a sense, hot takey here on this division. So yeah, Vegas one, my hot take thing isn't going to be like anything against Seattle, but I'm going to have the Kings at two. Wow. Um, I just I I think Kel Peterson's a pretty good goaltender. I think they made some nice moves, um, you know, with bringing in Arvidsson and then uh, bringing in Dano. Um, so I think they have and those sick chrome buckets. Yeah, right. You know, I, Kopitar can still play. Um, I, you know, they have some young guys going to get in there this year. It stinks that they lost Byfield um, for a couple of weeks here, but I think when he gets in too, so. Yeah, I think I'll go with LA two, um, and then three. Honestly, I, I think is going to be a battle between four teams of Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Seattle. Um, maybe call it recency bias because I saw how well they played last night. But I, I think I, I right now I, I would put Seattle three, Edmonton four. Vancouver five and then Calgary six. But I think those three, those four teams are going to be very close for that third spot. So I uh, obviously agree with uh, everyone on Vegas. Uh, they should be great. And uh, a thing I, I thought about is besides Vegas, one of these other teams has to win a playoff series, has to be in the second <laughs> round. Yeah. Like it's a mathematical uh, certainty. Uh, unless Vegas for some reason finishes second and then whoever finishes first loses. I don't see that happening, obviously. So the, the, one of these teams uh, that won't deserve it will be there because of this format. Uh, and I think that's going to be Edmonton. I don't think they can keep getting slapped around in the first round. Like eventually uh, their offense, will, at least for the first round, should be good enough to carry them. Such uh, a one-line team. I just I can't do it. I just, I just like they get crushed when McDavid's not on the ice. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, obviously in power plays, especially that they're going to play Dreisaitl and McDavid together. (laughs) You're inviting to get crushed when they're not on the ice. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And 
hopefully that that doesn't well hopefully for their sake that doesn't last long uh that that should not be a thing they do most of the year but yeah so i i obviously have edmonton second i don't feel good about them i don't think they should be a team that will make the second round but this is a really weird division and i actually also have la in the playoffs i have them third and pretty much for the same reasons like they're they have a goalie it seems like they made two really good low-key additions and they have young guys that should step up so long as byfield's injury isn't too long i mean if he's back within a month like i would that that they they'll be a smooth sailing and i have seattle right outside of them like seattle's um I didn't love their expansion, not just draft, but the way they handled things totally the same way uh, that I liked Vegas. I think Vegas set themselves up a little bit better, but Seattle should be pretty good. They sh- they'll probably compete for the playoffs. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, I, I, I think there's something interesting with Calgary, especially if they trade for Eichel and he's ready by the end of the year. Uh, mm. And with Daryl Sutter being the kind of um, the coach that who's always had a good defensive system and always seems to have his teams put up good possession numbers. I'm willing to see what that looks like. And then uh, Vancouver, I don't like, and then obviously uh, San Jose and Anaheim at the bottom. Very unfortunate for Vancouver though, because they have one of the most exciting, uh, interesting players in the league. I don't see him being in the playoffs for the next couple of years. The Vancouver low Canuck burst. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, to round that out, I have Vegas at the top uh, second. I have Edmonton because I just think that, McDavid is going to just drag him there and drives a little too. They'll just put up enough to get there. And I think that the rest of the division is generally speaking, I guess, comparatively underwhelming. And third, I actually have Vancouver. I think that having Peterson healthy this year is going to be huge for them. I didn't love acquiring Oliver Ekman Larson, but I do like them bringing on Connor Garland too, for some additional depth scoring. I think that, More likely than not, Quinn Hughes is going to get his head on straight too, and he'll look better. And I also am a believer in Thatcher Demko and think that he will end up potentially being the third goalie for Team USA. So I have that's that's my order, at least I have Vancouver. But I agree though with all you guys that I think Seattle, LA, um, oh god, who am I forgetting here? Seattle, LA, Calgary, 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 and and um, San San Jose, not San Jose, uh. Those three, they're going to be hanging around for those uh, the four to six and probably dancing around for third there with Vancouver. But I think that Vancouver is going to get over the hump. And I think that they're kind of a chaotic team. And uh, I'm, I'm digging the chaotic vibe that they're they're giving off right now. So I think that something weird is going to happen and they're going to end up having a pretty decent year. So, yeah, who do we got winning the cup then, fellas? One team. Who's everyone taking? Vegas. I've got, yeah, I've got Vegas beating Florida. I, I want to go with Colorado. I too am going to go with Colorado. I think. I think. There you go. I think it'll be Kemper. That. Kemper is the big, the big thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, fellas, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate having you. This has been a ton of fun getting to chat, and hopefully, it'll be the uh, first of many conversations the four of us will be having this season. Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having us, guys. For sure. Appreciate it, man. Of course. Can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, the latest at Expected Buffalo and what everybody should be going to check out on the site? Yeah. Um, so if you didn't see my tweet, um, we have at least, it could be more when all said and done, um, five articles that are going to drop tomorrow morning at eight in the morning as part of our season 
preview, blitz. get ready, blitz. blitz, I guess nice. you can call it. Um, so, yeah, so it's going to be a long night for me as I have a couple of articles to still clean up and get those out. Um, but, yeah, we'll have at least five uh, ready to go, if not more, at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So that'll be fun. And then, you know, the usual fun stuff that we'll give you throughout the season that Anthony and Eddie and I can come up with. You know, it's – I think at times it'll be – Cumbersome. Difficult, yeah to come up with topics in certain situations and not rehash things over and over again, but you know, maybe they'll, they'll make us interesting. And we're usually pretty good at putting our heads together and coming up with ideas. So yeah, I'm, I'm in one sense excited about it um, because of the um, laid back nature of this season, where it's not just such a losing games, you're, you're hating your life because you go into the season expecting that. So, you know, it, it'll be a way to, to have some fun conversations around this team. And there'll be a lot of focus on AHL and college hockey um, with the player tracking that we're doing. Um, so it also let out interest people, you know, in the NCAA will be following around Owen Power, Aaron Huglin, Ryan Johnson, and Portillo too, to an extent. Um, and then, and obviously we'll be doing our normal player tracking that we do in the AHL. So of all the interested guys that people will be keeping an eye on down there, you know, we'll have that, I guess you could say next level of analysis that would be providing to subscribers for the site as well. Very nice. Very good stuff. Everybody make sure if you are not already go subscribe to expected Buffalo, it is well worth it. Also, I'm sure most of you listening right now already are, but make sure if you are not, you are following Chad, Anthony and expected Buffalo on Twitter and on social media in general, they are Top of the list when it comes to follows, especially during the Sabre season. I think that uh, I speak for a lot of people when I say that your guys' coverage makes the makes the season a little bit more bearable. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. that. Thank you. All right. And of course, as is tradition, too, we cannot say goodbye without doing our random Sabres player of the episode to kick things off. Anthony, could you please start us off? Who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Yeah, since we started this episode talking about tanking, I feel like I had to pick somebody uh, from the tank season. So in honor of my expected Buffalo cohort and my main man, Chad, I'm going with Chad Ruido. Wow, <laughs> let's go. Uh, we got? You know, somebody who I randomly thought about the other day that I was like, oh, yeah, that guy was a saver for some time. Joey Juno. Nice. Yeah. A, a nice wow. little, a nice little, I guess you could say, experience with the Sabres. I don't know why I randomly popped them ahead. I was doing something. He goes into was, that group with like Steve Hines and Dinah yeah, Zubris, guy and like Dominic one. Moore. Yeah. 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 Juno was way before that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, I'm just saying like those are deadline guys who were here for yeah. like those 15 games and then out, yeah. like done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know why he randomly popped them ahead just looking at something like a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I'll go with him. Nice. Taylor? I'm going to do Matt D'Agostini also on the tank thing. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. And I'm going to go with a guy who will hopefully be the antithesis of all of the young guys on our team this year. Luke Adam will be my red. Mm. Mm. Wow. I, uh, I should say before we go too, uh the capitals are now winning five, one and Ovechkin has four points and a shorthanded goal. Oh, and wow. Kuznetsov has three assists. So I already uh, immediately regret picking them to not finish in the top. <laughs> Yeah, the Rangers look really bad. I, I've been watching as we're doing this. The Rangers look pretty bad. Oh, man. That fan base deserves so much better. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Shots. Shoot. 
Well, everybody, along with following those guys, make sure you're following the two presenters of this show, both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Check them out at their respective websites, as well as your streaming platforms of choice. Make sure you're checking out all of the great content being put out by both of them with the Hockey Podcast Network. If you're interested in the other 31 teams besides the Sabres, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows there on the network and also with the Charging Buffalo. From the day-to-day of the team to prospects, the Charging Buffalo is a great source for getting all of your Sabres hockey scoop along with expected Buffalo. Look at that little tie in there. So make sure you guys are following just everybody. Make sure you're just following everybody. Let's just all be friends with each other, okay? This is a, this a nice, is relaxed, be... happy season. Right? Exactly. Paul. We're zen. We're zen. No matter what, we're we're staying with. And the no next matter. year, we can start fighting again when Shane Wright's on the team. We can also argue again. Amen to that. And Connor <laughs> Bedard the year after that too. Right. Or Mitch Koff. <laughs> or Mitch Koff. Either one. Hey, no yep. complaints from me either way. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabers. As again, a new Saber season begins tonight. We hope you all enjoy and are going to be following along with both straight up Sabres and expected Buffalo throughout the entirety of this season. Thank you all very much. And we'll be back with a new episode on Monday. <laughs>